would he be bringing in DeAndre Hopkins if he didn't have reason to believe that DeAndre Hopkins at least has some mutual interest in coming and joining the Tennessee Titans? Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast Live. I'm your host, Easton Feast, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Easton Freeze, and I'm joined as always by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runky. JT, welcome to our mandatory minicamp midpoint madness episode. How you doing, man? I am in a lot of pain, but I'm good. I'm, oh, no. I'm great. I'm great, but you know what? We're going to go through what, it. What kind of mental pain, emotional pain, physical pain? Oh, no, pain? physical pain. Okay. But you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get through it today. Um, what, what, how did we hurt ourselves? What's going on? Well, you know that we both play in a rec league softball team and uh, had our, and we had our first game sure. this past uh, Monday night. Indeed. Um, and there's something about just playing in a fun little rec league when you're on the bases that just mm-hmm. you're like your old baseball instincts just take over and you become primal. Always slide, and, baby. And just, slide, slide, slide. And just decide to do a little pop-up slide into third base <laughs> yeah. and tear up your entire like back of your leg. Yeah. And so and so now my- I'm I'm in perpetual pain and I have basically a turf burn up my entire leg. And so I, any t- I anytime I try to sit, I'm uncomfortable. But you know well, what? I, I'm in the I'm same doing boat it for the show. You, you saw I slid as well, and I think my my burn's <laughs> not nearly as bad as yours, my my road rash or turf burn that you, that I've got. But I will say the worst thing about it kids never I've done this twice in my life now and it's it's been a mistake every time. Boys and girls, listen up. Do not ever if you can at all avoid it, get a a large rug burn skin burn road rash turf burn whatever it may be on a joint and in particular not on your knee because when you tear up your knee there is so much movement involved in walking that as it starts to heal and scab over it just gets ripped and torn apart over and over and over and so that's where i'm at right now so i'm with you i get it um and uh, with that, I think we'll just we'll dive into yeah, the show. I mean, well, welcome to as well, you said. Hey, but well, you know who's not in pain, hey. Titans fans, because we've got content, baby. <laughs> we've got stuff to talk about. I, I must and... I must say that I, I do like my my little title I came up with today. The oh, alliterative the, genius. Yeah, yes, yeah. Well the, done. The genius that I am. But well done. I will. We, we I'll can give get you, into. I'll it. give you the props that you deserve on that. Um, we've got plenty to talk about today, and more than we anticipated having because we've had a little bit of news come out. This afternoon about one Mr. DeAndre Hopkins and his intention to visit the Tennessee Titans this upcoming Sunday. We'll start the show with that because that's the most pressing and most interesting bit of news that we have on today's show. But and Logan joining us live uh, this week on the old white guys podcast. We talk about scrapes on knees. Exactly. Um, Except we are definitely not old white guys yet. We will be one day. We will. We will be. And I'm looking forward to that day. But right now we are just the white guys podcast. Um, and uh, so, so there's a lot to talk about on the DeAndre Hopkins front. And then we'll get into the, the questions we asked on Monday's episode regarding what things we were looking to see at training or at a mandatory mini camp this week. 
Some of those questions have been answered. Some of them have not been so far. One day left to go tomorrow on Thursday, and we'll recap everything in totality on Friday's show. And before that, um, we, we we have to remind everybody, before we actually get into the show, that is, we have to remind you that if you are watching us live on Twitter or on Facebook, thank you and welcome. An even better option to do that is if you go to YouTube and you pull up Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page, which is on the ticker you can see on the screen right below here, you can join the conversation in the chat function of the live stream, of this live stream on the Broadway Sports Media YouTube page. So just search Hot Read Podcast or Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You will find this live stream and then chat in the comment section of that video. And we would love to uh, hear your thoughts, questions, concerns, whatever you may have to say on DeAndre Hopkins or on Titans Mandatory Minicamp. So with that, JT, let's go ahead and dive in. We've got a lot to talk about on the DeAndre Hopkins front before we get to camp. Um, if you wouldn't mind kind of just laying, laying out the situation for us real quick. Yeah, so it was... I want to say this dropped maybe around right around 1230, one o'clock today. Yes. Um, right Tom Pelissero yeah. uh, tweeted out today that free agent wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is slated to fly to Nashville on Sunday for a visit with the Titans per sources. D-Hop and Mike Vrabel were together in Houston. Now Vrabel's team gets the first visit with Hopkins, the five-time Pro Bowl pick released by Arizona last month. So this was pretty big news one because... Um, there has been some speculation if the Titans are in or out on DeAndre Hopkins, at least um, taking a look into him. But now we know some baseless th- speculation in the national media we've seen. But <laughs> exactly, it's neither um, here nor there. But he is going to be taking a visit with the Titans, and it is the first public visit that we know of um, that DeAndre Hopkins is finally uh, taking some steps towards signing with the team. And his first stop here is going to be with the Titans. Yeah, so a couple of things to take away from this. Um, one, we can now say with certainty that the Titans are, in fact, interested in DeAndre Hopkins. They seem to be taking a pretty aggressive approach by being the first team in the uh, in the sweepstakes here, in the bidding. I think the fact that DeAndre Hopkins, who he knows at this point who his suitors are, he knows who's interested, he knows who he's interested in, he's not wasting trips to places he doesn't want to go, and he's not wasting time with coming to Tennessee, which indicates to me there is some mutual interest there for him to choose Tennessee as his first stopping point. And JT, we've known this for as long as we've been talking about the potential of DeAndre Hopkins coming as a free agent um, to Tennessee. There are a number of reasons why Tennessee would be a nice place for DeAndre Hopkins to play. And there are reasons why you could understand why he would want to be here. There are also reasons why it's not a great place for him from his perspective, from an objective perspective. Things like if he wants to play with an elite quarterback, if he wants to play for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations this year. Um, not to say that the Titans aren't wanting to, but they aren't they aren't that, that echelon of teams that are expected to win a Super Bowl. Those those are the things that would keep him away. But then there's a number of reasons why he would consider coming to Tennessee. First of all, they can offer him a very significant and competitive compensation package they can offer a really nice contract which we'll get into details a little bit later it, they can offer practically infinite targets because with this wide receiver room it's not like he's going to um, the bills or the jets or cincinnati where he would be contending with one two three other total for lack of a better word ball hog or ball dominant players right he's going to be getting as many targets as he could possibly want here in tennessee 
in this wide receiver room. You're also able to offer him the, the, the opportunity to play under a number of coaches, professional pet personnel on the team, guy, the training staff that I've, I've heard more connections from this Titans team to DeAndre Hopkins in the last 48 hours than I even knew existed and can keep track. But like, he's got a, a storied history, obviously with Tim Kelly, the Titans offensive coordinator, who was his offensive coordinator in Houston during some of his, if not his best statistical seasons in the league. He's got a good relationship with head coach, Mike Vrabel, of course, because of their time spent together in Houston when Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator. He's got a relationship with um, certain key players on the team, like Derrick Henry, who he's been known to work out with often in the offseason. He apparently has a strong relationship with one of the um, head guys on the on the training staff, according to Mike Hearns, and I heard him talking about this on Football and Other F-Words today and how there's a connection there. I know our, our guy Zach Lyons over at Football and Other F-Words made a good point a couple of days ago in an article he wrote at Stacking the Inbox about how Rand Carthen may know more about DeAndre Hopkins as a player than anybody else right now in the league because since 2017, part of his job in San Francisco when he was still the uh, the front office guy that he was in, in San Fran, I forget the, the exact title, the player, personnel, whatever it is, um, he was tasked, part of his job was um, future scouting, looking at looking at players on opposing teams, looking at um, the, the strength of, of upcoming teams and game planning for them. Uh, on the personnel side of things. And, and so he's been watching DeAndre Hopkins since 2017 because his team, the Niners, played the Texans with Hopkins in 2017. And then, of course, Hopkins is traded to Arizona. And he his team, San Fran, saw the Cardinals twice a year, every year from 2018 until to this past year in 2022. So he knows exactly what DeAndre Hopkins at this age, at this point, is capable of. And if you, if you look at what DeAndre Hopkins' record is, was as a Cardinal against San Francisco JT, he averaged something like 105 yards per game against them. So this is, this is a guy in Rand Carthen who knows exactly the, the value that a guy like Deandre Hopkins can bring to the table. All of yeah, that. Being, no, I was about no, to say ahead. like even the two other connections. I mean, he also um, has a pretty nice connection with Charles London and also Pat O'Hara, right. two guys right. that have mm -hmm. been brought in and kind of elevated on this Titan squad. I, I, I would be hard pressed to find another kind of coaching structure in the league that has a better rapport with or better connections and relationships with DeAndre Hopkins than the Titans do right now. Yes, there are, are a ton of examples on this team, on this roster, on this payroll uh, of just familiar faces for for DeAndre Hopkins, right? It is, it is it is a familiar territory for him and a lot of guys he knows and respects and enjoys. And so that, that has to be a, a selling point for him. And then the the other selling point that I failed to mention a moment ago was you can be the, the immediate alpha in this room. Like I don't I don't know anything about DeAndre Hopkins from a from a personal standpoint, like what what kind of guy he is in the locker room. Never heard anything negative really, except for when him and Bill O'Brien hated each other for a while. Um but he can come in and with Traylon Burks being the alpha in the room right now, and and in terms of tenured guys, it's Chris Moore, who's certainly not anything resembling an alpha, I'd imagine. Um, he could come in and be that number one in the locker room, be the leader of this team and be a fantastic mentor to, to the guys that he would be playing with and the guys that would be playing around him. Um, there is, there is a question of money, which we'll get into in some detail here in a second, JT, because there are a, a, really a number of ways. It's not like this is a tricky situation for the, for the Titans. They would probably need to do something um, 
or want to. Yeah, thank you, Logan. Yes, Mason Kinsey, he's the alpha because he starts every drill when he is getting to pretend he's on the team. Um, so that's that's so mean to Mason. I didn't mean to be a jerk, but it is kind of true. Uh, this this is uh, a situation with the Titans currently sitting at just under $8 million in available cap space. There's a difference between available cap space and functionally available cap space. The, the cap space that through simple restructures and cap maneuvering can be easily obtained for free today should you choose to file the paperwork. Um, and that's a much bigger number that's available to the Titans. Maximally, I think the number last I checked is somewhere in the 40 to $50 million range in terms of cap space. They could easily and simply create for themselves today via restructures, via um, different different contact tweaks here and there contract tweaks here and there uh, that, that would allow them to make room should they want it. But there's also the, the question of when you set up Deandre Hopkins contract itself, there are a ton of different ways you can do that and actually not have to do much or anything at all this year to your current cap situation. If you're willing to, to sacrifice some flexibility and maneuverability in the future. Again, all of those details here in a second. First, the clip of when we, Teresa Walker, bravely chose to be amongst the media pool the first to, she's always the first to answer, to ask a question, but she chose with her first question to dive into DeAndre Hopkins. We, we were all standing there watching practice today at minicamp when that news came down. And of course, we have to ask about it. And so she asks coach Mike Vrabel um, about this news, if it's true. And what he's looking for in potentially bringing in DeAndre Hopkins, here is Mike Vrabel's answer. Uh, yeah, well, the first thing is we want players that want to be here. You know, I think we want want people that want to be here, and then we'll work through anything else. And so, you know, we brought in a bunch of different players. Um, DeAndre will be somebody that we'll bring in next week, early next week, at the end of this week, and um, you know, go through the same visit that we go through with everybody, and then you know, start the process. So this is this is a typical answer from Mike Vrabel. I do think there's one little tell in there, something that I took to mean more than just a surface level coach speak answer. And it's what he let off with, right? We want players that want to be here. Mike Vrabel is a no nonsense kind of guy, right? I think we can all agree on that. Would he be bringing in DeAndre Hopkins, who he has a personal and and years long relationship with off the field as well as on the field? Would he be bringing him in? and expressing interest in him at all, spending his time on him at all, if he didn't have reason to believe that DeAndre Hop Hopkins at least has some mutual interest in coming and joining the Tennessee Titans. I don't, I simply don't think that he would. And so um, if you're, if you're trying to psychoanalyze where DeAndre Hopkins is in this situation, obviously we can tell the Titans are interested. We know the Titans are interested now. Would DeAndre Hopkins be interested? I think that he, that he is. Um, a lot of questions I, I know floating around right now of like, what is this the only visit he's taking? No, absolutely not. I'm sure this is the first of a, a handful, at least probably many different free agent visits. DeAndre Hopkins Hopkins will be taking over the, the coming weeks and maybe even months. This kind of smells a lot like a Jadavian Clowney situation when the Titans signed him a couple years ago. I don't think Hopkins is in any rush. I said that a couple days ago. I, I still think it's the case. Could could he come to Tennessee and and be signed by Monday or Tuesday? Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes it goes from zero to 100 really, really quick in free agency, right? You you come in and you're just so enamored with the 
with the situation with the people, the people that are that are, you know, the front office folks trying to hire you become so enamored with you. They simply won't. You hear these stories of like, we weren't going to let him leave the building until you sign this contract like that happens sometimes. But I, I do think Hopkins is going to come into this recruiting period for himself at age 31 with a with an open mind and with some patience and see a number of different teams over the coming weeks. It is, I think, good news, though, that the Titans are the first. And I, I do think that this aggressive, both in perceived willingness to do whatever it takes to get DeAndre Hopkins, because they wouldn't be pursuing him if they didn't think that they could be competitive in their offer, but also aggressiveness on, on a time a timetable. You know, let's 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 be the first ones in his ear. Let's make the, the opening impression is the a wise and probably the best possible way to go about this if I'm the Titans just because I do think that that small possibility of them getting him in the building and things just clicking and him wanting to be here and being signed and not needing to go any other any, any other visits is worth something there's some value there and as a team who again some of the criteria you think he might be interested in which I think money above all is being underrated I think oh, I mean, again we, we were live in PGA tour this week reminded all of us that you, the answer to all of your questions is money. Okay. So like he's not going to go somewhere to be competitive for dramatically cheaper than, and you know, if Tennessee offers him $12 million a year, he's not going to go play for 4 million a year on Buffalo. Like, I just don't, I'll believe it when I see it, but we know players that do that are named Tom Brady and then kind of end of list. That's kind of the way it's gone for the whole history of the league. So the Titans absolutely on the money front can offer that competitive contract. But um, I just, I guess what I'm trying to express JT, and if you're, if you agree um, or disagree, let me know. I think this was the the best strategy from the Titans perspective in terms of giving, giving it your best shot, being the, the highest likelihood that he lands with you. Let's be aggressive and try to win him over before anybody else has a chance to. I mean, definitely. I mean, first impressions are everything. It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. They could give him an offer that wows and he goes to a couple other meetings and it's just drastically lower than a pitch that the Titans give him. And maybe he, he starts leaning towards the Titans where the Titans give him a, more of a, a pitch saying, this is what we're going to do. We're not really going to negotiate. If you're not wanting to play on these terms, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And right. he kind of marks them off their list super quickly. So uh, I think it's good and bad that he's the first team, but I think the Titans may, and this is kind of just my feeling on the whole situation. I think the Titans um, may have had their, their, their pulse on DeAndre Hopkins for a while now going all the way back and um, no, I think you're right. to, to, to the NFL draft. We saw that report that really wasn't true, that there was a package for the third pick and DeAndre Hopkins, but I'm sure, um, the at least Rand Carthen and Mike Vrabel got a sense of where DeAndre Hopkins was going to go at at the draft time, and maybe that's kind of what went into their draft decisions. Um, well, and I'm reminded of the the comments from Rand and Mike. I think immediately following their draft, the wrap up press conference, a lot of questions about didn't really address this receiving room. What's going on? What's the plan? And they gave those vagaries along the lines of, you know, there's still a lot of time in the off season. Guys will become available. We're going to look into supplementing this room with every available option, um, different leagues, different players, different avenues of acquiring those players, all of that now culminating in this guy's available. They're interested at the very least they're taking a swing on him. And I think that that is a positive development 
for the team. Let's talk about money. And uh, our guy Kenneth here in the chat asking the main question for me is what moves do the Titans make if they want more cap space? So let's let's break this down a little bit real quick, JT. There are a number of ways they could go about this. The, the easiest um, one is probably going with a restructure of Harold Landry's contract. It's a medium to long-term contract on their books right now. It is a hefty one, but it's a it's a an untouched contract that has a lot of potential. Um, if you were to want to extend or add void years or or um, change the signing bonus situation so you could front load the or excuse me back front load the cash on the on the contract and backload the cap hit, there would be ways to do that. A restructure, according to Mike Herndon, who I'm sure got this from Spotrack or OverTheCap.com, a restructure would create $10.44 million in 2023 cap space at the cost of $3.48 million of cap cash in each of the next three seasons. Um, for, for, for reference, for perspective, and we're going to mention this a number of times, the Titans are currently projected to have north of $90 million in cap space next season. So they've got cap space to burn really in 2024 and looking forward. They've got to burn it on players because people always talk about, well, you know, next year, this team's going to have a ton of cap space. The underlying inference that should be made there that people either choose to ignore or just maybe just aren't bright enough to recognize the reason you are going to have a bunch of cap space is because you're about to lose a bunch of players on your books you have to replace those players with somebody. Somebody's got to play for the team. You got to field 53 dudes right on a Sunday. So there will be plenty of, of moves they're going to need to make, but not $90 million worth to be certain. And, and that's going to be an excess amount for them to um, not more than they need, certainly, but, but a, a lot of a lot of Play-Doh to shape in into the, the form that you want it to be. It is, a, it is a clay ball just asking to be molded into whatever vision Rand and Mike have for this team going forward. So, that being said, um, a restructure of, of Landry's contract to ultimately give you around $17, $18 million in available cap space at the cost of $3.5 million of dead cap the next three seasons, it's a drop in the bucket. doesn't really mean much. I personally don't think that's the best way to go about it simply because that Landry contract is a big one. There was a lot of arguments to be made at the time of that signing um, a little bit less than a year ago in in the offseason when the when the Titans gave him that contract, there was certainly uh, a point to be made that it was a little bit inflated, that it was uh, maybe not going to be paid off by Landry's performances. Of course, ACL injury really can't judge last year, but so far, objectively, a, a failure of a contract because the guy's not played yet. Um, there's a lot of time left on that contract. But now he's going to be spending a year coming off of an ACL, historically not the greatest in terms of production. So even if he is the guy that you saw the year before they signed him, in the last two years of his contract, he still had two years of not existing and then maybe lackluster play. And ultimately, that makes it a, a suspect contract. So adding more money to that on the back end, um, opening yourself up to the opportunity of being in a situation where maybe Harold Landry tears another ACL or just keeps missing time. Again, a guy that, God forbid that happens because he's up until this ACL injury been the, the model of consistency and availability. But things can, again, things can go downhill really fast with injuries. And in the NFL, you just never know. So um, he's young. I, I get it. It wouldn't be the biggest risk in the world to kind of push some of his financial burden on the team down the road a hair. 
but you do run that risk and it is a big contract. Another way you can do this JT, and this is kind of counterintuitive on paper, but I do, I do like it better. And this is, this is uh, something that's been proposed for a little bit now by our guy, Zach Lyons over football and other F words. Something that we think they need to do regardless of the DeAndre Hopkins situation do something to Kevin Byard's contract, right? I, I would not, even though he is um, on the wrong side of 30 and he is um, an expensive player, I don't really have any problem with them doing a sh- short to medium term extension with Byard to get that cap hit down this year, give them room this season, push some more of his burden down the road, simply because, yes, there's a chance he falls off a cliff, totally, with everybody there is. But we've seen consistent play from Kevin Byard for five, six years in a row now. He has been the model of, of not cons- not just consistency in terms of level of play, but consistency in terms of availability. He's really the only guy that's been on this team through the past two seasons to just be available the vast majority of the time, which is a, a massive um, credit in, in his favor. I don't see any likelihood, I, I should say. I, I, I would be surprised if suddenly Kevin Byard just fell off a cliff. Now, could he did, could his play decline precipitously over the next coming seasons? Yeah, but would he be would he be below starting caliber this season or next without some massive injury? I just don't see that happening to him. I don't see him not being in, in peak shape. So why not push some of his financial burden down the road? Get I mean, again, he's hitting the books this year against the cap at almost twenty million dollars. Get that number down and, and bring in. DeAndre Hopkins to to solidify your wide receiver room. JT of of the Landry or Bayard options, which do you think is a safer choice? It's hard to say. I want to say I'd probably also agree and lean towards um, extending Bayard, whether that's like one year and pushing some money down the road. Um, I probably would lean that way. Although the Landry contract, I think maybe gives you a little bit more flexibility. Like I, I would rather do the Bayard uh, side of that and extend him. Although you're probably limited in what you can do more than what you could do with Harold Landry's contract. That's true. La- last year, last year on the ACL was his last year. So technically when he hurt his ACL, he was on that last year of that um, of his rookie contract. So um, not necessarily on his new contract, which starts this year. I think you could maybe um, at least appease some of the some of the people saying that that contract is a little bit um, rich for their blood by getting that down this year, having him kind of use this year to come back mm-hmm. and get back to what he was, and then um, people would look at that cap hit and be like, "Oh, he since we since we move things around, Harold Landry is now not playing on the cap hit in his recovery year after an ACL tear, and then if he gets back to the way he was, that contract starts to look maybe." not as terrible as some people are saying it is. And then you get DeAndre Hopkins. Although um, you you might, since it is a new contract, you might not want to mess with it as much, but um, kind of doing the Kevin Byard, although you don't have as many options, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. And Logan chimes in here, says it's hard to say a contract is too much now in the cap. I mean, you can, you can say that it is too much now and also recognize Logan that oftentimes with these contracts, the perception of them changes by the end of the contract as opposed to what they were at the beginning. A contract, Most contracts, I would wager, start out as an overpay and then at some point during the life of the contract transition to 
being a, a, a value signing. I mean, I remember when Ryan Tannehill was signed by John Robinson for what it's 28, $29 million a year. And folks were just a, a astonished. He was within the top 10 highest paid quarterbacks in the league. And then by the end of that very off season, he was out of the top 10 and now he's not, maybe not even the top 20. I mean, this guy at, at this price, you're like, yeah, totally. That's, that's the number you should be paying him. Not Kirk cousins getting $38 million a year or whatever like that. That's, that's the version of what people thought Tannehill would be. Um, uh, I, I will also say this um, in terms of available contracts to them they don't even have to create more cap space. Like they don't have to, if they don't want to, especially if they're going to do a one or a two year contract, anybody can sign Deandre Hopkins. As long as they have three, four $5 million of available cap space, if they are willing to do two things, like there's a lot of talk today in Titan circles about having to make space for these, these this D hop move. If, if they're going to go after him, but I don't think you necessarily have to do that because if you're willing to one sign a guy to the OBJ style contract, and I'll get into the details of that in a second. And two, you've got the cap cash available to you next season to burn. Then you can, whoever you are, Titans, Titans fans, Bengals fans, Browns fans, Cowboys, fans, whatever, any team in the league, you fit those two very loose criteria and you can sign Deandre Hopkins today now it's a big question of whether or not signing an obj style contract is even a good idea because here's what it looks like this is the exact term these are the exact terms of the obj contract it's a one-year 15 million dollar contract with a 13.8 million dollar signing bonus so his his cost uh, against the cap this year deandre hopkins is less than four million dollars in cap cash they are essentially voluntarily eating 10 or $11 million in dead cap next year. That's a tough pill to swallow for anybody for sure. But if you're the Titans and you're going to have $93 million in, ca in available cap space to you next year, not even on top of potential restructures you could do to create even more than that. $10 million in dead cap to, to go and get a guy and take a risk on him for one year who again, then you could, if things went great year one, edit that contract, extend the contract, make it, you know, lessen the burden down the road. That that certainly is something you in now the dead cap isn't dead. It's actual cap against him on the on the books on the team. There are ways to do that um that that really aren't that difficult and the Titans could get under that price point with their available cap cash right now should they want to. That all leads us to the the biggest question here and we'll we'll answer this JT and then move on to our mini camp recap which we have a lot of things to get into today. Would you prefer if you were the Titans to sign or a Titans fan to sign Deandre, Deandre Hopkins to a one year deal in the vein of an OBJ contract and, or create the cap space and just, you know, a one year $14.5 million deal. And your cap hit is almost all of that this year. Or would you prefer a two to three or even more year medium term contract i think i think i would go probably the long-term deal i i i've just okay. heard a lot of good arguments for that today especially with just like the one-year deal i feel like is a lot more risk because with a two or three-year deal you can create opt-outs and kind of um run the gambit of mm -hmm. deandre hopkins a little bit more safe um with a one-year deal it, it, it kind of 
then brings into the classic, the Titans are going to get a veteran wide receiver and gambling on it once again. And we, we've seen it time and time again that um, it's it's hard it's hard to kind of justify that if, if DeAndre Hopkins misses, let's say, seven games, like seven or eight games, and you have him on a one-year deal, it kind of looks like a failure. However, you have him on a two- or three-year deal, and he's missing maybe those seven games. At least you have an out to recoup some of that money, unlike a Julio Jones situation. Right, and that's the risk that you run. I mean, Julio was signed to a, I think it was a two-year, maybe three-year contract. Um I think it was two ended up not working out. They cut him after that first year was a, a significant still is a significant um, financial burden to the team as dead cap. That contract is, I think I'm with you. I think that the two to three year deal is the best bet. You could tack on void years, which uh, Logan in the chat, not a huge fan of. I know that there's mixed feelings on the void years, but you can absolutely add some void years to the back end of that contract to really, lessen the financial burden now and and make his his cap hit much lower this year and next or even into the next i think that's the best way to go about it and the the really the biggest risk there is hey he's 31 he's aging he has a mild history in recent years of missing time for injuries um has had some hamstring troubles has had some foot and ankle troubles i believe the reason why i'm and again this is like I'm somebody that that was a fan of and advocated the move for Julio Jones at the time. So is it possible that this is wishful thinking? Yeah, totally. But I do think it's completely objective and fair to say Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins fundamentally are very different receivers. Julio Jones was always his game built on being a big bodied physical receiver with some burner ability. He could get down the field, be a vertical uh, field stretching element of the game. And once his physicality started to go, once his durability started to go, he started to go with DeAndre Hopkins. His game is, is built in a, in a, in a framework that is much more conducive with guys that last a lot longer in the league. His, his game is a lot. Sim- I mean, the, the name I keep hearing thrown around and I think it's a good comp the way that his game could age, I think, is really similar to the way that we saw Larry Fitzgerald's game age. Because they have some of those evergreen, he's kind of the Steph Curry to Julio Jones's, um, you know, Kawhi Leonard or or uh, or yeah, I'll go with Kawhi Leonard um, or 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 uh, Russell Westbrook, for example. Like guys who physical freaks, what they can do is incredible. But a guy like Steph is just outlasting everybody because he's a sniper and he can do a lot of things that are non-contact. He can do a lot of things that despite his age, aren't going to wear and tear on him with Hopkins. He's not the biggest bodied receiver out there. He's not the fastest receiver out there. Never has been the way that he has won and, and continues to win. And we saw last year, a number, I mean, just go look 2022 DeAndre Hopkins hi- highlights played in just nine games there. It's kind of, it's, it's two minutes in. It's, it's already better than everything you saw from the entire Titans wide receiver core last year. Like that's, a fact with Hopkins. He's the king of the, the illegal push off hashtag always commit OPI is what I always say. Always, always, always commit pass interference. If you're on the offense, cause they do not call it. He, so he's the king of the push off. He's the king of late route separation. He's a, he's an elite elite uh, route runner. Uh, he's a craftsman with, with his, just his bag in terms of the routes on his tree, his ability to, to, to shake off a defender, despite 
maybe lacking size and speed against them and create room. He's also a one of the best contested catch players we've maybe ever seen, which there's an element of physicality to that, but you don't have to outrun somebody to, to win a contested catch. You just have to be there and be physical enough at the point of, of attack, which he is. Um, all of that is to say, I think that his game will age more gracefully than Julio Jones's. I think even if he deals with some nagging injuries, he may still be able to contribute a lot like, a lot like Julio Jones's. And because his game style is less outside receiver dependent, less in that exact mold of outside guy, you could, I mean, JT, remember when Harold, Harold, uh, Larry Fitzgerald was moved to the slot, like for the last three or four years of his career and was still getting seven, eight, nine, a thousand yards every single season in the slot because he was doing the same thing just at a, a more limited rate. That is absolutely what a guy like DeAndre Hopkins could do if he's in the right situation. Yeah, I think outside of money, the reason why I would also give him a two to three year deal is I, I think he can be a good uh, impact on guys like Traylon Burks and mm. soon to be Will Levis. If Will Levis is the guy and indeed becomes the starter next year, Having a having a guy who's um, a, a good veteran in DeAndre Hopkins and a year three Traylon Burks who has been able to learn side by side from one of the best wide receivers of like the 2010s, I, I think I think it goes a long way. Counteract that with having DeAndre Hopkins only stay for one year, yeah, it kind of puts you into a more of a uh, win now mode, and you're kind of all in with DeAndre Hopkins. You kind of need success there, and, and then it and then it becomes Trey. Traylon Burks and Will Levis's team. However, if he's there for two or three years, you, you get you get a veteran guy in that locker room that they kind of severely lack right now, um, which is why I think going the long term route would be better. I agree. How about we transition? Let's get into some mandatory mini camp recap from these first two days. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's run down. We we've got two days under our belt here with. Uh, mandatory mini camps. And if you listen to the show on Monday, we kind of had some questions about what we wanted to see from the Titans in mandatory mini camp. We're going to go through, I think five of them, five Half and then yep. yeah, five and change, maybe some tidbits here or there about uh, the Titans and see if they're, if we had some of those questions answered. So let's yeah. jump right in with the first question we had is Kevin Byard going to show up for work? And we had that one answered pretty, pretty easily and pretty quickly on. He Tuesday. was there. Next question. He was there. <laughs> <All right. laughs> no. Um, and, and we can, let's go ahead and play. I've got, we've got a montage of some uh, clips from camp that JT, you can go ahead and play. And there he is. There's the man working with his running mate, Mr. Imani hooker, some, uh, some ball attacking and security drills. The Kevin Byard did return to camp. He's not spoken to us in the media yet. I, we heard today um, he he said that he would be speaking at the podium tomorrow. So certainly we'll be talking about that on Friday morning's episode. But um, I'm sure he's going to give a lot of the very professional answers, very uh, company line answers that we've heard from him in the recent past. Some of the reason why the team loves him so much because he's such a good teammate, such a good team player. Um, and and really ambassador of what the team stands for in their culture. So he's looked good. He didn't come in. And some people were asking me, okay, well, he was there. Did he just warm up and then just kind of hang out? You know, was he doing the Christian Fulton and just being there kind of getting up to speed? Is he conditioned? You know, is he working with the strength and conditioning staff? And the answer is no. He came in and was immediately, he looks like he's 
in the same shape we see him play at um, in the season. He's he's certainly kept good care of himself, taking good care of himself. He he came in immediately yesterday and in his fir- first practice on Tuesday, that is, and made a couple plays, was kind of firing up the team. There was a new energy on the field with him out there. It's kind of like getting your your general back I mean, because he is really the general of that defense. Him and Jeffrey Simmons run the show a little bit. So there was an element of guidance, leadership, um, that, that he really is palpable that he brought to the table in that first practice back. Um, so, so he's back. That's good. It makes the Titans safety situation slightly less tenuous, um, still tenuous nonetheless, but he is back and that is good. Let's talk about the, the other guy who is back, but only sort of. Yeah. So our second question that we asked on Monday's show is what are the vibes going to be at mandatory mini camp with Christian Fulton? Uh, we talked about how he was training in Miami for the past two weeks before this, while uh, OTAs were were taking place. Um, decided to show up for half of the uh, second week of OTAs after being in Miami. And this week, we were hoping to see him out there and practicing with the team. However, uh, yeah. he was not. He did not show up, or was not spotted at least yesterday. Um, and then today. Uh, at the podium, Shane Bowen, the defensive coordinator, said that uh, Christian Fulton has been in meetings and is learning. He's communicating with the other guys in the secondary, even though he hasn't been on the field in practices. And uh, I, I don't know about you, Easton, but I've been kind of vocal about this, mm-hmm. how it is a contract year. Not not the best start. I You'd want to see a little bit better start for Christian Fulton, at least in the offseason. Dare I say a bad start? Uh, it, it's, it's not great. I'm with you. We don't know if he's dealing with an injury or if he is just not conditioned having to get up to speed. He's there. I've seen him. I saw him at least once in the, in the workout room through the windows on a, on a bike or a treadmill or something. And we know from his coordinators and from his coaches that he is there in the meeting room with the guys of his, at his position. He's just not out there yet. And we don't know why I'm not expecting to see him at all whether it be tomorrow or the last OTA day that will probably be at next week. But I just, I, I think that um, vibes are bad. I think the, the question we asked, what are the vibes with Christian Fulton? The answer is they're bad. And will he be playing for this team this year? Yes. I think at least to start, there's always a chance. I think if you were to tell me that this team trades one player this year, he'd be the easy number one answer for me. I think it's far more likely that he gets traded than any other person on this team, more than Ryan Tannehill, more than Derrick Henry. I think those guys are staying here. Um, I'm very confident that they're not going anywhere. With him, I wouldn't be shocked either way. And if this team, you know, God forbid they start one and six, two and two and five, whatever it may be, and they're at their bye, and they're, you know, looking to sell at the deadline or right before the deadline, he could be on the block a thousand percent. I think that this team would jump at that opportunity, not because he's not talented, but because I'm not sure he, culturally uh, in terms of his attitude, he lines up with the, with this team. I, I keep in my head going back last year to the, the eight to four players comment from Mike Vrabel. No reason that I've heard of tangible reason to say that he is one of those guys, but the way that Mike Vrabel and the coaches kind of talk about him, refer to him doesn't encourage me that he's not, one of those guys like he he's certainly not on the good side of Mike Vrabel um and this this has been known for a while now I just don't I don't know what to tell you he's gonna play for the team I'm sure he'll be good when he's healthy and when he's not healthy which is too often and and the whole reason why they aren't a huge fan of him in the first place 
could be a problem. And I think if it is a problem at all this year, he's certainly not getting another contract with the Titans. And he, he may cost himself a good deal of money on the market generally. I'm not sure how big a market he's going to have if he has another similar year, play 10 to 12 games, miss a number for soft tissue injuries here and there, can't really ever string more than three or four games in a row together. That's been the MO with him the past year or two, and it's not been good enough. Yeah, let's move on to our third question here. Kind of combined our third and fourth question from Mondays. Right. What, what are we gonna? How are we seeing Malik Willis and Will Levis trend now? Getting a couple days in a row of practices from both of those guys. What What are they trending? Are they trending upward? Are they improving each day? Are Are we seeing um, some more trends that are positive for both of those, or are they kind of still having up and down days? Easton, you've been there now twice this mm -hmm. week. What What have we seen? Uh, from both Will Levis and Malik Willis this week? I hate to give a boring answer, but it's the it's my honest answer. I think it's the truth. I think it's the, the real reflection of reality here. They're both mostly static. There's not been a huge leap in either direction from either. If I had to say a guy is leaning one way or another, I'd say Malik has been the same maybe slightly leaning towards an improving trajectory, a very small, positive, linear trajectory. Whereas with Levis, I'd say it's pretty even. If anything, maybe downhill a hair, but that's only a, a product of him being really impressive to us in his first um, his first availability. We saw him at rookie minicamp in that first OTA practice where he looked really sharp. He set the bar kind of high for himself, and now he does not look bad by any means. I'm having a hard time explaining this with nuance to folks because they're like, oh, he, so he's just another Malik. He's another bust, blah, 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 blah. He's not going to push Tano for the job. JT, we've been saying this whole time he's not going to. We've been saying this whole time he's going. To, they're going to redshirt him this year and then try to make him the guy for next season is on paper the idea. But he does not look bad by any means. He just looks like a rookie quarterback out there. He looks like he's he's treading water, trying to keep his head above water, figure everything out, figure out the system, figure out his teammates, establish chemistry. You know, there's there's an element of just being, you know, it, it, everything's new. So you're not really you're not super comfortable yet. He doesn't look super comfortable out there. Neither he nor Malik Willis look all that comfortable in certain drills as compared to a, a guy like Ryan Tannehill as you'd expect, as we certainly expected. So unless he comes back to training camp in late July, a truly a changed man, somebody that has like two or three years worth of experience under their belt suddenly in the last month, I don't see him pushing for the job. I think Ryan Tannehill is 100 bajillion percent the starting quarterback for this team. I'm extremely, extremely confident of that right now. And I almost sneezed. Did you hear that? Um, no, it's gone. Okay. Um, I think that he's absolutely the starter for this team and is is definitely barring some miraculous turnaround going to be the guy for them. I, I would put a bunch of money on that if you let me bet it somewhere, if he'd be starting for this team. Ryan Tannehill is the guy, and that's not new. We've been saying this. But in terms of Levis, I've got a clip here from Mike Vrabel that would play in a second, JT. But something that Paul Kaharski was asking around, kind of his, he, he's, you know, he's, he's a heavy writer, unlike I am, writes a lot. And he guys like him, you know, these beat writers, they come into practice and this is not a diss. That's just the way that you do the job, right? You come in with a couple of um, ideas for stories you want to write. And so you ask questions that pertain to what you're wanting to write about. And today's topic of choice for Paul seemed to be Will Levis 
asking the guys that have played with Will Levis now, as somebody coming out in the draft process, JT, we know, had a very strong reputation for being a fastball pitcher and not having a ton of dip and not having a great changeup or a screwball. Um, he can throw from different arm angles and different platforms, but he's he's not got a ton of touch in his bag, not really in his bag. Something he's got to develop, which is not an uncommon thing really at all for college quarterbacks coming out. Um, you saw you see guys that really are successful, like Colin Kaepernick. He had a very successful and short NFL career, and he never learned to put touch on the ball. I mean, he played in, a, in a, two NFC championships and a Super Bowl, and he he still never learned how to genuinely. He could not throw a ball that was not 145 miles an hour. So is it a deal breaker? No. Is it certainly something you want to develop? Yeah, it is. With Levis, that's not that's not there yet. And so the question, the answer to the question is, you know, he's not really developed some touch yet, but it's been 10 seconds. Of course, his teammates, his coaches aren't going to rat him out in that way. But I think Mike Vrabel's answer here to that question of what is the fastball pitcher Will Levis looking like from a touch perspective? I think his answer was telling again in the way that he said what he said. The fact that he doesn't give a very direct answer here and kind of obfuscates it's reflective to me of, of the reality that Will Levis just does not have that touch yet. And it's very early. Here's Mike Vrabel's thoughts on the topic. Well, I think that, um, you know, accuracy is critical, you know, the decision-making uh, from the quarterback position. You know, so when you see the, the, the teaching that can go on with the red zone and how quickly You know, you have to make a decision and then be able to, to be accurate because of those tight windows. Um, you know, I think it's just a complete process. So, you know, to evaluate anybody right now, the you know, seven or eight practices of off-season work is not, you know, I think it's about development and improvement, and I've seen, you know, that from everybody. Is that No, that clip tried to go a little haywire, but we got the gist, luckily. it's It's not been a ton of practice. And no, I mean, ultimately, he didn't say it out loud, but no, he's not really developed a ton of touch. We're working on accuracy, and with accuracy comes being able to throw the ball on different trajectories with different um, different velocities. That's not really a thing that he's developed yet, and you see it in practice, JT. It's a lot of – so. I mean, his number one miss is he just soars everything. Um, the, the release is too high, his arm is too strong, and it just flies over the head of a lot of guys. And that's, again, I don't think it's really all that uncommon to see in rookie quarterbacks. So he's going to continue to develop. We know that the number one thing he's working on to develop is his accuracy. And more importantly, you know, his footwork, that those happy feet calming those down, making sure he's throwing from set, solidified, repeatable bases, setting up a, a good firm base for himself to a platform to throw from. Those are the things that he's working on doing right now. And when he doesn't do them, it's kind of haywire. And when he does, he looks like the guy that you drafted as a potential future starter in the league. So it's very early, but in terms of trends, I think that, that both guys have stayed pretty static and they're both roughly where you'd expect them to be right now. Our fourth question today, and probably my personal favorite of the day, all hail Prince Chig. Uh, I've been every single day. I've, been kind of more and more convinced that Chigakonkwo is just going to come out of the gate and be a star um, oh, yeah. of oh, yeah. this season. What have you seen from Chig, who has kind of stolen the show this week at uh, Mandatory Minicamp? 
Yeah, I mean, victory laps are old and nobody really likes to listen to them. Um, like they get old fast, but we I will never not take the victory lap on Chig on this show. We have have been and continue to be the number one Chig program in the Nashville media market. And for good reason, because he is, in fact, the prince that was promised. I tweeted out yesterday and, and I wasn't able to show this clip because I didn't get to get the clip because we didn't get to record this portion of the practice. Luckily, the Titans were able to record during this portion of practice. So JT, if you wouldn't mind rolling clip three and maybe play it a couple of times while I talk about this, but we did get the clip of the best play from Titans practice yesterday at Tuesday's opening mandatory minicamp, a deep seam route up the gut. Chica uh, Conquo runs a, a deep route down the middle of the field. Ryan Tannehill connects with him in the back of the end zone um, from about 30, 35, 40 yards out. A full extension catch, as you can see if you're watching on YouTube, over the shoulder, manages to get both feet inbounds out of the back of the end zone. Like he just, he's going to be a stud in the receiving game for this team. And he is, a, a, once again, the only player on this offense that I truly have zero questions about. He's like, I just, I am, I am sold. He is him. He's going to be that guy. He's going to surprise a lot of people. And if you, play fantasy he's probably going to be a pretty decent fantasy option as well because he especially if the titans i mean deandre hopkins is going to change a lot of this math if the titans land him but as of right now he is the number two target on this team in my opinion based on the way that they've utilized him and based on on the skill level i think that that he possesses in the receiving game yeah logan great great point here uh chigo he's him instead of uh chigo chigo I, I, I think big oh he's him yeah, Chigo, he's him. Yeah, not <laughs> Chigozium, but Chig. Oh, he's him. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, there you go. Uh, respect the pun. Respect the pun. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I refuse. I will not stop telling you all how special this guy's going to be this year until I'm proven right. And I will be proven right. The prince who was promised year two. It's going to be fun. And then our final question today that we're, that we kind of have had answered um, we were talking about Trey Wolf uh, back on Monday. Are we going to see him kind of take the lead in this uh, kicking competition? And it, he kind of is. Like I, I don't, I don't really know. Like if, if I had to place a favorite right now from all, what I'm hearing, it seems yes. like Trey Wolf continues to be the guy that they are uh, looking to maybe hand the keys over to to kick field goals this this. Uh, this upcoming season, what, what did you see from him this week and what have you heard? Yeah. So before I dive into Trey Wolf, I, I do have to say an important stipulation. There's been a lot of talk from me and other members of the media about Trey Wolf. That's because it's just so happened with the three, with the two OTA visits and the one uh, rookie minicamp visit we had before this week's mandatory minicamp. We saw all three times just Trey Wolf because Trey Wolf and uh, Ryan Shudak Caleb, Caleb Shudak, right? Thank you. Uh, Caleb Shudak are going back and forth in this one one on one competition for the kicking job, and it's an every other day thing. That's what I, I had. A, I actually had a private conversation with Trey Wolf yesterday. We met in the Titans bubble facility for a moment after practice, and I just got to to meet him and ask him some questions. Uh, not didn't video any of this kind of off the record, just had a conversation, but uh, none of this stuff is stuff that he wouldn't want me to share. And so, you know, I'm a reporter. What, what's he, what does he think I'm going to do? I'm going to share it, but he's a really good guy. First of all, big fan of him up, upright guy. I talked to him for 15, 20 minutes, very strong locker locker room type of guy that you would want in the building. He did let me know that they're going back and forth every other day. So we saw him kick all of Tuesday this week. Today was the first time as a media 
Claypool, we got to see Caleb Shudak kick, and he looked good. Like it's he's no scrub. It's not a it's not a sure thing yet. There's still a competition here, thousand percent. Um, Shudak is is accurate, and he's and he's uh, got more of a leg than Randy Bullock had, and it's the reason why they've had him around, kept him around these past two years. But. Uh, and then for uh, one last note on on scheduling here tomorrow, apparently the two of them are going to go back and forth and compete directly every other kick in practice. So that should be interesting. But in my conversation with Trey Wolf, a number of notes from from that conversation that I gathered from him, asked him about Will Levis, just because same rookie class I asked him, you know, what's your impression of Will? He said, Will Levis, cool guy. A lot of guys at the quarterback position, he said. Um, are sometimes a tough hang. Sometimes the, the that alpha, that dog in them that makes them a really good quarterback makes them not a fun guy to hang out with. But Will Levis doesn't seem to be that kind of guy. He said Will is maybe the most intense teammate that he's ever had, which I think we all can understand and recognize. And he said that he's always dialed in. He also mentioned to me that he's rooming right now with a uh, fellow rookie outside linebacker Thomas Rush, who he loves and, and thinks and hopes he's going to start on special teams this year. So definitely advocated for his buddy Thomas Rush said he, he really loves the full rookie class, has gotten to know everybody and, and is, is a fan of everyone. Um, he, he said that he and Caleb are in a one-on-one competition. They're splitting reps this week and then going back and forth on Thursday. He, he, he really raved about Caleb and his abilities, that Caleb is a really talented guy. And, and, I, and I was talking to him about the fan perception of Caleb Shudak, which based off of the one time that fans saw him in action last year, is not great. And I'm like, I don't think it's fair, but, but you, I was like, Trey, you do have the upper hand here from a narrative fan perspective um, side of this coin. Like you, you are coming in with a blank slate of expectations and Caleb Shudak, unfortunately, I think has a negative connotation to him based off of the one time we saw him last year, went three for four in his fill in, I think in the Bengals game um, that they, that he missed an extra and he missed a field goal that I think I think the Bengals won by four. I think it was 20 to 16. So I don't think it would have mattered. But one of those things where you're like, it kind of changes the perplexion of the or the, the uh, complexion of the game. And he wasn't all that impressive in that game. So he, he Mr. Wolf was saying that this is uh, not really fair, that, that Caleb is is seen the way that he is. Trey's a fan of Caleb. Um, and I told him, like, I think you can win this job if you, if you keep up the level of, of practice you've been at. And he of course said that he really hopes so that he, he said he thinks he can, he believes in himself to be that guy. Um, and I, I said, I said to him, if it's not you, I think it's going to be Caleb, right? Like I, I was like, I, it seems like this team is dead set on one of you are Caleb winning this job. Is that kind of the vibe that you've got? And he said, that um, it's been encouraging for sure. He feels like the team is behind one of them winning the job. That they've thrown their 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 um, their weight behind one of those two guys becoming a starting NFL kicker. That he points out that they've not brought in anybody in terms of a veteran to compete with them. Um, so that's sort of an indicator for him. He said that, that they like the two of of he and Caleb. He's, he mentioned how they're both cheap and that's good for the team. So of course, you know, he's, he's not a dummy. Why not? Why would they not be uh, attractive to a, a team in terms of team building? And um, they've expressed a lot of confidence in both of them in terms of how he's performed. He, I feel at liberty to say these specifics because he told me in, in a one-on-one. And so usually we can talk about what the players talk about to us on the record. And, and he said that he is so far this offseason in practice, 100% from 40 yards and in, which is, I think 
the minimum expectation for NFL level kickers make from from 40 and in. And then uh, they've they've had him kick from as far as 55 yards out, which yesterday he was kicking into a a uh, a wind that was coming like in and and across. So it's, it was both a crosswind and a uh, detrimental headwind. And so um, not great opportunity, not a great circumstance to kick from 55. But I think that was the whole point of having him try it. His first one missed just a hair to the right side. And then the second one was in with about five yards to spare again from 55. So this guy's got to hold the leg in the world. I've been saying it for a long time. Went one for two from 55. That's certainly not something we saw at all last year from Randy Bullock and the Titans. That's some distance. The Titans have not had a kicker position in a long time. Uh, yesterday was the first time that he missed anything in, in a couple of practices in a row. I asked him about the pre-draft process, JT. He said that the Titans were his number one choice. And I was like, why? And, and of course, the answer is obvious when you think about it. He said, because of the opportunity, right? It, it, there was one guy in the building that he'd be competing with who doesn't have a track record to win the job. He wants to be a starting kicker, so he wanted to come here. And so when the Titans reached out to him in undrafted free agency, he said, yes, let's do it. Um, Titans had one other kicker that they wanted ahead of him, apparently, is what he's found out. But that guy got drafted. Not sure who that was. Um, and he also mentions that he uh, that he didn't get invited to the combine. And I was like, that's funny. I went and you didn't, and you're in the NFL. Um, but but he, he said he looked at the guys that were there, and there were, what, five kickers? At the con- like, they didn't invite many kickers to the combine. Um he was looking at those guys stats and he's just like, yeah, I'm better than these guys. And when you look at the numbers, he is in fact better than a number of those guys. So all of that being said, um, a a very fruitful conversation with him felt like I got to know the guy, Uh, my, my confidence in him winning this job has only gone up. I think, like I said, a couple of days ago, JT, my, my hot take maybe of the entire summer is Trey Wolf will be a household name in Tennessee Titans households by the end of September. I, I still firmly believe that. I just hope that he wins the job so that the show can coin the wolf pack. We can just be the wolf pack Ooh! and be behind him. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that, that's, back, that's, that's why, that's why, that's why I want, that's why I want him to win the no, job. I'm with you, but 100%. yeah, it seems very promising that uh, from, from the new guy with some distance there. And it also seems like they're going to be going with one of the two, either Shudak or Troy Wolf. And it makes sense yep. now that they have D hop on the table or whatever else it's, it, it seems hard to justify maybe spending three or $4 million on a kicker. If, if they want to, if they want to go out yes. and, and get Deandre Hopkins, yeah. um, no more questions, but we did have some other little takeaways um, that weren't exactly f- fitting in with our big questions that we had on Monday. Right. Um, but you had a few clips that you thought were pretty interesting and that you heard from minicamp so far this week that you wanted to share. Yeah, just two guys I wanted to touch on, Tajay Spears and Traylon Burks. Let's start with Spears. Um, he is continuing to be, in terms of usage, a very big part of this offense at times. Let's look at clip one, JT. This is Derrick Henry being asked yesterday on Tuesday about Spears, his versatility, what he thinks of his new teammate. Here were Henry's thoughts on Spears. Um, yeah, I mean, it's cool to um, see the vaccine opportunity. Um, he's a versatile player, just like Dontrell was, and um, he's good at um, what he does in the past game. So it's going to be exciting for him to be out there and um, get some passes and uh, make some big plays for us. So one of the things that he points out there, similar in terms of usage to Dontrell Hilliard last year, who's no longer with the team, 
he's going to be taking over that role. And I think more, it's not going to be a one for one fill in Spears for Hilliard. It's going to be, let's take Spears, have him do the things we were having Hilliard do with a lot of success last year. Reminder through the first like six games, Hilliard led the team in receiving touchdowns in like five and six games. That's going to be his job. Plus an even bigger role in the passing game. I think whereas Hilliard was used pretty much exclusively in the red zone and in the low red zone. I think that Spears will be used up and down the field in a lot of different situations um, out of the, out of the backfield lined up in the slot. Like I think that they're going to use him in a lot of different exotic ways. And that brings us to a, our next clip, JT clip two. This is Mike Vrabel on his new run game, which we've all noticed and have asked about um, with him and a bunch of different coaches and players. Hey, this new offense, this new Tim Kelly run scheme, it's pretty exotic looking. It's pretty creative looking. It's certainly much different looking than what we saw with Todd Downing last year. What's the deal with this run game? And here are Mike Vrabel's thoughts on what they're crafting in their new run game. Well, I think the communication, I think that there was some good recognition offensively. Um, when we get into third down and some of the things that were, you know, maybe having a different play call or trying to get us in the right call at the line of scrimmage. You know, I think where we are in the run game, I think has been good. We tried to be a little bit more, um, you know, exotic at this time of the year and seeing what we like and see mate, what, what we go forward with. I think the D line is, is doing a good job in the job. Oh, I guess I cut the clip off, clip off too early. Um, but we got to the point that, that matters. The exotic, I mean, dare I say exotic smash mouth, a uh, little throwback for many Titans fans to some, mixed emotions back in the Mike Munchak days, I believe, but, or was it more, it was either Munchak or Malarkey. Maybe I think it was Malarkey. I don't know. That, this is a big, um, uh, that's a big point of contention from our show on Monday. Yeah. We you, don't, can't, we, we, yeah you can't get them their names right. Anyways, <laughs> not those two, but the other guys that, yeah, I, I botched some names. It's all right. Those guys are forgettable anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that this is going to be a much different run scheme. Um, and and I've, I've mentioned this, just the positionless element of a lot of these guys, in the backfield, these skill players playing a ton of different positions in different looks. This team is going to look so different schematically this 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 fall on offense. I think it's going to really be a breath of fresh air for a number of fans, and I think that's a really positive thing. The next guy is Traylon Burks, who continues to just shine, JT. We've got three clips on him, and then we'll get out of here. But Traylon Burks is having a lot of fun playing football right now. He is he truly go. I, I would encourage anybody to go and watch his full media availability today because he's such a different guy today than he was a year ago at the podium, which of course, naturally there's going, you would expect there to be some change there, but even more than the average guy last year, it was, he was kind of a robot lacked any and all personality. Um, looked like he was not having a great time at, at times out there on the field this year, polar opposite. So here's this first clip. JT, he's having fun. He's got a personality, and uh, here's him talking about how much fun he's having playing football right now. I feel like I'm just going out there and just having fun, playing with my teammates, not thinking too much, um, and just doing my job. You report out that DeAndre is coming to visit on Sunday, first free agent stop. What did you think about that? Um, you know, that's something that I can't control. I He's an awesome player, great player. Um, it would be fun to play with him. So, uh, you know, if we end up get him, if we don't, then we don't. But um, no offense to him, he's a great player. But, um, I'm just glad. I'm, I like playing with, with who we have here. 
So I like that. I mean, at the end, a little little alpha there, a little, you know, no disrespect to, to D hop. But I, you know, I like playing with who we have here. Um, certainly, you know, he's got he went on to say his confidence level in the receiving group, the skill level group they have right now is is quite high, which, of course, you would you would expect him to say that. Um, and he also went on to say that D hop would be a great mentor, a great player to, to have in the building. Um, so he's not out on D hop by any means. I saw, I saw that around the NFL, the, the podcast Twitter account decided to run with that quote of all the things. And it, they're just like, when Traylon Brooks was asked about Deandre Hopkins uh, quote, I like playing with who we have right now. Like, like, like Traylon is anti Hopkins or something. Um, all of, all of that being said, I, I think it's, it's awesome to see him enjoying himself out there and having a, a better time. We of course, naturally followed that question up with it was, what changed, you know, wh- what happened for you in your life besides just having more experience, having more time under your belt. What is it um, about you as a football player that is, is making it easier to have fun playing the game that you've grown up loving right now? Here was his answer. JT, this is clip five. Um, my confidence, um, just going out, playing fast, moving on to the next play, not worrying about mistakes, and just having fun. So confidence level through the roof. That That's the number one thing that we can take away right now. He is extremely confident. He said it a million times. He keeps referring to his confidence. A big part of that has been the help that I think Rob Moore, his wide receiver coach, has given him over the last year, really taking him under his wing. In the, in the same way that Rob Moore did with A.J. Brown. And I mean, A.J. Brown um, still to this day credits Rob Moore with him being the receiver that he's turned into. Very good teacher for for Traylon Brooks, no doubt. If, if you're going to get the most out of the guy, I trust Rob Moore to do that. And so um, I, I think that it's, it's a lot of really positive changes for Traylon Brooks. This last clip is clip eight, and it's Mike Vrabel when we asked him about Traylon. And his, you know, transition from year to one, one year, one to year two, and really what has changed for him to be such a changed guy to really take this mantle of, hey, be the wide receiver one for this team, carry this offense in a lot of ways. He's taken it in stride. What has changed for him? Here's what his head coach had to say. Thing in his life, um, lining up, um, you know, just personally and professionally, uh, physically, um, being able to get some footing and get healthy. You know, there was, he was really making some strides. And then unfortunately, you know, had a couple injuries last year and uh, he was able to be out there, was effective and continue to improve. But then I just think the off season has really just set him up well for, for where we're at now. And with that, JT, we're done today. We've got a, a handful of our original questions from Monday to answer on Friday. Talk about some depth receivers. I already have some some thoughts on that, some takeaways on, on that, and who's really starting to create a case for themselves to make the 53-man roster. Elijah Molden, what's going on? We didn't see him on Tuesday. We saw him back today. Is he playing at safety? We'll talk about that tomorrow. Clues on this offense, some more thoughts on what this offense might look like from a scheme perspective as things have continued to change. And then the linebacker position, some some good discourse today on the uh, Monty Williams side of, of the of the coin and just talking about what's this line in interior inside linebacker. Rather, what's that position going to look like for this team in terms of depth? Kind of sketchy and the top end talent 
also maybe kind of sketchy. So with that, we're gonna get, we're gonna get out of here. Appreciate everybody tuning in live with us. Real quick, if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing the show wherever you get this show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. If you are listening to the podcast, give us a rating and a review. Very helpful to us. Consider it a personal favor. If you could take 10 seconds out of your day to do that right now, just scroll to the bottom of the feed, fifth star on the right, write whatever you want. We'll read it out on the show. Um, Did I say Monty Williams? You did. I, but we were so close to the end, I just let you go. <laughs> so I Monty Rice. Monty Rice. I don't I don't know why I said, who's Monty Williams? That's a person. Um, but I've, I've got clearly, I've got it mixed up in my head. Monty Rice is who I'm talking about. Thank you. Monty Rice, big, big interior. Uh, Monty linebacker. Williams is a professional basketball coach for the Detroit Pistons. Thank you. Yes. That, yeah, that's, that's why I mixed them up. Okay. Sports related Whew. or my brain is just, maybe this is the week and my brain's going, maybe this is the end for me. We'll find out if we're back on Friday, then you'll know I survived. <laughs> if not, uh, we, it's been a good time. It's been a good run. But no, we'll be back answering those questions and more on Friday. First thing, Friday morning, tune into that episode. Until then, for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you Friday morning.